So Money episode 428, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wealthfront, the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Visit Wealthfront.com forward slash So Money. Welcome back to So Money, or welcome for the first time. If you're joining us for the very first time, we are happy to have you. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. It's Friday, June 10th. And because it's a Friday, it's Ask Farnoosh time, where we have been sifting through all of our emails. And uh, thank you to everyone for sending in questions at farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. That's the best way to reach me. And we've got a lot to go through. And as always, uh, my partner in crime here, Sophia, my trusted assistant who has been, um, well, almost over a year you've been with me by now. So uh, I, I guess that's great, right? That's a pretty <laughs> good milestone. Oh, yeah. It's very exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> no, it is. And it went by so quickly. I honestly yeah. can't believe it's been a, over a year now. I know. And so much, of course, in the last year. And I'm excited to see what's ahead. What are your plans this weekend, Sophia? I think this weekend I'm just going to go up to my parents' house in Connecticut, get out of the city, enjoy some fresh air. What about you? Good for you. Um, well, uh, we are going to be having part two of three of Evan's second birthday. So Evan turns two on the 21st of June, but already we've celebrated uh, in California with my parents. And now this weekend, we're going to be at my husband's family's uh, home. And um, that'll be fun too, because uh, there'll be some kids there. There weren't any kids at my parents' uh, little pizza party, but this one, we'll have some kids. I got a really fun cake. Um, so, you know, he doesn't understand any of it. It's really no, just, of course not. <laughs> it's just the adults, <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, and then he's like, he's, he's got his actual birthday party on the 21st in our building in Brooklyn where he's got all his little friends that are going to come and I'm going to have an, a, a little pizza party for them. That's you know, kids, so cute. Kids eat a lot of pizza at this age. <laughs> they do. I'm sure they do. And wow. for the rest of their life. That's why I cannot <laughs> shed these last five baby pounds probably is because I'm just eating cake and cupcakes and and cook and pizza um, at all the different, uh, you know, birthday gatherings. But um, it should be a lot of fun. It's always nice to go and visit my husband's family. And, you know, they live like in rural Pennsylvania, which is uh, – well, it's not too rural, but it's – there's a city there, but it's um it's Amish town, so it's really cool because you get to see um the Amish community and the horses and um I just I'm fascinated by that whole world. I would love to get an Amish too. person on this podcast. I'm pretty sure that's never going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, because they don't really work with technology, do no. they? Well, they some do to some extent, and some do not at all. Uh, you know, it's, they do still, for example, take the train. In some cases, they'll, um, they shop at Costco. Right. They, they, they may have cell phones. I'm, I don't know. I don't want to speak for the Amish community, but I feel like, you know, some of them may, uh, have some ways of 
like phones, you know, because like, I can't imagine how do you get in touch with people? I know, especially in this day and age, I just, I couldn't imagine life without my cell phone. Right. Like I was at the, well, so this is a quick story. I was at the train station in, uh, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania one time and I shared the train with an Amish family. I got off and waited for my mother-in-law to pick me up and they waited for their uh, horse-drawn carriage to come pick them up. But I was like, how, what if there was like a delay or what if they came late or early? How would they tell their friend or their family member, you know, that I guess they don't, they just like good old days, like old fashioned waiting. (laughs) I know. Show up and you wait (laughs) and you cross your fingers that they're going to get there sometime in the next hour or 10. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's the things like that, that I just think are so fascinating that people are able to live productive lives. I mean, the Amish, they're very productive. They're very wealthy. They're, you know, just a fascinating culture community. And I think, um, I would love to interview someone maybe it'll have to be off. It'll have to be off camera, but I'll, you know, I've, I've always wanted to figure out a way. So Figure it out, Sophia. <laughs> I will. I'll get back doing my research. How can we get the Amish <laughs> on so money? If anyone out there has an idea, please let me know. That was not what I was planning on talking to you about, <laughs> but it turns out it's pretty interesting, right? So it is. It that's is. Uh, that's what I have to look forward to this weekend. And um, another cool thing that happened this week was I had a cool chance to spend some time with some fellow Penn Staters at an event on Thursday night in the city. I promoted it on Twitter. If you're an alum, you are welcome to come. And there were, it was a nice little turnout. Uh, Penn State's always been a big fan of my work and very nice to me. And that's why I give them the big bucks. Uh, it's a nice little, you know, exchange we have going on. I donate, then they have little dinner parties for me, which is nice because then I get to like promote the book and I uh, connect with people from my school, which is a huge network here in New York City. I mean, like, Hundreds of thousands of people, I think, over the Actually, years. Actually, it's so funny. My boyfriend's coworker went to Penn State. Ever, I feel like if you're one degree of separation from somebody who went to Penn State. If you didn't always know yourself, yeah, always. it's like uh, it's um, you know we have I think the largest alumni network in New York City than any other academic institution. I mean, we graduate forty thousand people a year. So, or was it no forty? When I was there, there were about 50,000 kids on campus. And that was just the main campus. There's all the tons of satellite campuses. Okay, I digress again. <laughs> I now think it's time to go to the mailbag and start with our uh, questions of the week. What do we have so far? All right. So our first question is from Caitlin. She writes in and her question is about credit card debt. Her and her husband have about $5,000 in credit card debt, and they just got married, actually, and received $5,000 in cash and wanted to know if they should keep that for an emergency fund or maybe use it to pay off some debt. And they also have $5,000 line of credit from their bank, which has a lower interest rate than their credit card. She wants you to recommend what she should do. Well, congratulations on getting married. I think... Look, you got a nice little windfall here, $5,000, and it just happens you have $5,000 in credit card debt. I think the universe is telling you something, Caitlin. I think I would, as much as maybe it would be more ideal if you had savings, you know, and then you could say, okay, well, I have savings, so obviously I have to put towards credit card debt. But my feeling is that you get rid of this credit card debt, you get rid of 
not just the debt, but the anxiety and the stress that goes along with it. And then whatever monthly payment you were putting towards that debt, that now becomes the savings for your emergency fund every month on top of anything else that you can contribute to the savings. If you have nothing, it's really important to get going on that savings account. And at the minimum, whatever you were putting towards credit card debt, after this $5,000 gets wiped out, imagine it's still there to some extent, but put it towards savings, if that makes sense. Um, and then the $5,000 line of credit from your bank, that's nice, but, um, you know, just have that there in case of an emergency. And that could be not your savings account. I wouldn't want that to substitute as an emergency account with real cash, but if there's a real, real, real emergency in the next six months before you're able to shore up a lot in your emergency savings. That could be a nice alternative for you, especially if it has a low interest rate. Um, you know, in, in case of emergency, you can break open that glass, but I would much prefer that you you know, get rid of this high interest rate credit card debt with the windfall, start aggressively saving for your own emergency fund, and then have that line of credit out there available to you in case of like a real disaster, which I hope never happens. But, you know, it's it's nice to know that's there. It's low interest. Um, but don't just start using it because, you know, it's there and you want stuff. Uh, but I, I trust you'll make the right decision. Caitlin, thanks so much for your question. And thank you for listening to it every day. That's huge. How do you like that we've gone to three days? Are you missing the five day per week? Are you missing the seven days per week? I hope not because I'm never going back to that. <laughs> never. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> Neither can you, Sophia. That was a lot of work for the two of us. It was. It was. I am happy that we're we're down to three. Yeah. <laughs> Much happier, I have to say. Like it's been – I hope you're enjoying it because it's, it's really – it's been great for us. It's opened up a lot of – free time to do other projects that we're really excited about. So thanks, Caitlin. And I see we have a question from Taylor. Yeah, Taylor writes in and says, thank you so much for giving some solid advice on IRAs. Taylor's thinking of converting his 401k into an IRA next month. So wants to know what are your top tips or habits for getting the most out of an IRA? Are there any episodes that maybe he should go back to? I don't recall any specific episodes that were a lot about IRAs. Although check out anything with like Sophia Barra or Brittany Castro, uh, or who else? You know, my financial advisor friends that come on from time to time, sometimes on Ask Farnoosh. I think almost always we end up talking about IRAs because retirement is such an important topic and it does come up a lot in the questions. But I think to get the most out of your IRA, it's simply to max it out every year. And this year, I believe the limit, if you're under the age of 50, is $5,500 as far as being able to contribute an amount that will then reduce your taxable income in in the current calendar year. So that's one way. And then, you know, I understand you're converting here. So 401k into an IRA, just make sure that that is a direct rollover, that you're not getting a check in the mail from your 401k uh, company, because uh, in that case, and, and it probably won't happen, but just be very specific that that money gets directly transferred into the new IRA. And if it doesn't, the risk you run there is that it's going to go down as an early withdrawal. And with that comes penalties and, of course, taxes. So just make sure that it is a seamless direct rollover. And you can work through your existing IRA company and, of course, your 401k provider, your previous 401k provider, 
to make sure that that is what happens. But I mean, that's it. I would just say that after you um, do the rollover, that you continue to invest in this IRA. And even if you get a new job that has a 401k, that you do both. You know, though, because the 401k, um, might have different kinds of investments. You can invest more in a 401k. There might be a match, which would be really great. And then the IRA, I would say, would be a supplement, but not to be something that, you know, you do once in a while that you really commit to maxing it out as much as possible. Okay. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from. The drag-and-drop editor. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning. All right. So the next question comes from me, Tally. Her and her husband both have very comfortable incomes. They currently own a townhouse and have a 30-year mortgage, but they're thinking of maybe investing in a rental property in downtown Chicago. And if everything works out, they're hoping that that rental income might be able to help take care of their mortgage payment and maybe some other expenses. And so they're wondering if maybe this would be a good investment. They're expecting a child this year and Mutali is also considering maybe going back to school part-time, so not sure if this might be the best investment opportunity. Wow. Okay. So they're having a baby? That just, for me, that jumped out because I've been there. And (laughs) um, how exciting. Congratulations, Mutali. You guys must be over the moon. I know lots of emotions, um, lots of preparation, and probably a little bit of stress, right? Because there is this unknown factor called like, what is it going to cost to afford a child? And um, you know that it's probably not going to be inexpensive. I'll tell you that much. It's not inexpensive. So I don't know. I feel as though unless you're just loaded, you have so much money, there's so much to go around uh, that you could comfortably afford this uh, rental property and you could comfortably have a lot of savings for your child that's about to be born and you can comfortably make all of your monthly expenses and then there's even some money left over, then yeah, I mean, sounds like that would be a great investment opportunity. But, and you know, you also mentioned that in addition to having this child, you're also thinking about going back to school part-time. What's that going to cost like? So honestly, Mitali, I would just say sit down, with an Excel spreadsheet or a pen and paper, good old fashioned pen paper, and write down all of your current expenses, your fixed current expenses that probably aren't going to change, like your mortgage and your other uh, living expenses. And then also account for all of the 
future expenses. You know, if you go to babycenter.com, I like going there sometimes because they have these calculators that will help you assess what it may cost to raise your child in the first year. If you're planning on having childcare, um, breastfeeding versus formula, all of that stuff costs money and, but different types of money. So it's important to kind of maybe get a sense of ballpark figure, how much you want to have set aside for those expenses. And then, of course, grad school. What's it going to cost if you go back part-time? Um, and then from there, I think you may be able to better assess on your own whether this rental property investment is really something that is feasible. And it may be that just now is not the right time because you have a lot of balls in the air and with unknown expenses around the corner, it's just better to have cash on hand for that as opposed to you know, putting it into this rental property, even though you'll be, you know, cash flow positive, um, you still got to find a renter. You know, there's a lot of not just money here that has to be put to work, but time and effort that has to be put to work. And if you've got other things on your plate, you know, it's, it's a serious investment, a rental property. It requires a lot of focus and dedication. And so this space may not be the best time, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be the party pooper here. I think that first and foremost, just go and run the numbers. And be conservative, you know, really, if you, um, I would say whatever you come up with in terms of child costs in the first year, maybe, you know, add an extra 10 or 20% just because you don't know, you don't just don't know. Um, and, uh, same with school, really look at options there. You know, maybe it's, there's a few different schools with a few different, uh, financial options. Maybe there's like grants you can get fellowships, things like that to make it more affordable. And if that's the case and you, there was a lot of money left over, then the investment property sounds great. I think the investment property in and of itself sounds like a great idea, but all the other chips have to fall into place, right? And I think you know that. So I hope I've given you some sense of direction. I'm sorry I can't say like yes or no for sure here, but I think if that's what I would do if I were you. I would go back and just really be um, clear on the numbers. All right. All right. So the next person actually writes in and he's following up on a question that he had a couple of weeks ago. It's from Phil. I love follow-ups. This I is know. great. They're, t- they're following directions. I love when people <laughs> follow up because I hate like giving advice and then I don't know if did they take it? Did they, did it work? Did it not work? Am I full of crap? <laughs> well, Phil writes in and he wants you to know he's one of your ambitious, talented male listeners. And he writes in saying, I asked advice regarding a yearly review and salary negotiation and wanted to say thank you so much for the advice. It was very thorough and detailed. And what actually ended up happening to him was both good and bad. They did his review last month and they actually increased his pay by 29%. However, he was kind of disappointed because he couldn't practice his negotiating skills. But nevertheless, he wanted you to know the podcast is awesome and to keep up the good work. All right. Well... I mean, yes, maybe you didn't get the chance to negotiate, but you didn't have to like go through the, it's an ordeal, you know? I mean, like we want to negotiate and it's important to practice, but what's better is you just got what you wanted, you know, a much quicker solution here. They just gave it to you. And I bet they knew that you were somebody who deserved it and it was worth it. And, you know, maybe you didn't negotiate directly, but perhaps through your presence and through your work and through your ambition, they saw that. And that that was like kind of a silent negotiation that you did there, right? Because it was like, you really 
showing up for work and um, sometimes, you know, the negotiation is not just the back and forth in the room, in the one scenario, in the one instance. Sometimes, you know, remember your output at work, you're, you're negotiating for your job every single day. When you do a good job and you lead well and you fulfill, uh, goals and you really show yourself well at work, that every day you're winning and every day you're leaving an impression to the people who have are in a position to give you more money, give you a promotion. So every day you're in a position to negotiate in some way, even though there's not that back and forth, but to really like, you know, uh, prove yourself. And that's really what a negotiation is. It's proving yourself and um, making a case for yourself. And so I think you should deserve more credit, Phil. I think that, you know, maybe next time you'll be able to really, you know, duke it out in a negotiating room and get even a bigger raise. But enjoy it, man. 29%. That's a huge, huge bump. So congratulations. I hope you're going to save some of that money. And I hope you have some fun with that money. I hope you're going to go on like a nice little little vacation or something or buy yourself something nice and pretty. <laughs> but but better the vacation because <laughs> we know that inanimate objects do not actually lead to happiness. But I'm glad the podcast is working for you. And thanks for the follow-up. All right. So the next question comes from Ashley, who you also answered one of her questions a couple weeks ago, but now she's back with another question. She's back. She's back and ready, ready to ask another question. She writes in, that she recently bought a car and pulled her credit score from Experian and was actually excited to find out that her score was in the top 10% of the country. Um, but that being said, a few weeks later in the mail, she received a letter from TransUnion saying that her score was a bit lower. So she wants to know what gives and how do you accurately know your score? Should she maybe pull from each and average it out? All right. So this happens sometimes. Note that there are three major credit reporting agencies, Experian, Equifax, TransUnion. They don't all work together. They, while a lot of them make it, the, they make the same effort to calculate your, um, well, you know, to calculate your score and to compile your credit information. Um, sometimes they, they compile things differently at different times. And so they're not all going to have the same exact information at the same exact time. But if there's a huge discrepancy, I would first pull my credit report from all three major credit reporting agencies. You can go to annualcreditreport.com and do that once a year for free from all three agencies and just do an apples to apples comparison. And if there's a really big difference in what TransUnion's reporting versus, was it Experian or Equifax? Experian. So that may mean that there's something on your TransUnion credit report that is either wrong or inaccurate or missing. And, and that's something for you to discover. So do that. That's the first step. Go to annualcreditreport.com, pull all of your credit reports. And I would even pull the, the third credit report from the, from the agency that you haven't really explored. Like pull all of them and just see what's going on. And that might be, that might give you your answer. And if you do notice a mistake, there are ways to, uh, correct mistakes. And the best way is to contact the credit reporting agency, whether in this case it's TransUnion or the other one, and let them know that there's a mistake and you can go onto their websites and and there's actually forms online that you can fill out to make the claim to dispute. And I believe you have, they get, they have just a limited number of days to research your claim and come back to you with either a correction 
or an explanation for why the report is the way it is. Once, let's say they say, okay, well, actually, it's a mistake, our bad. They have to then, it's their responsibility to contact all the other credit reporting agencies to make sure they don't make the same mistake. And if they do, that they have to also get rid of it. So I'm sorry to say there's a little bit of work here for you that you probably should pull your credit reports and just check the information. Check little things too, like do they have your address correct? You know, does your social security number correct? Are the accounts listed all your accounts? Gosh, you know, I would hate to find out, you'd hate to find out that like, Maybe your identity's been stolen. I don't think that's the case. It doesn't sound like that's what's going on. But good advice for everybody. You know, once a year, it's free. Why not? Go on to annualcreditreport.com, pull your credit reports, just make sure everything is correct. I read a survey one time, Sophia, that, I don't know, something crazy like 25% or, or more of credit reports have mistakes. Again, it could be as, as minor as, you know, your a misspelling of your name or a wrong address, apartment number or something, but it could be as serious as opened accounts that you did not open, which I believe indicates it. something even more serious going on. So just check because this is only your responsibility. And um, hopefully it's just something that can be corrected quickly. But it's good that you're doing this now before applying for a loan. Is that That's right, right? She's on her way to applying for something. Yeah, she's hoping to get a new car. Oh, a new car, right. So always good practice to just kind of do your own peeking at your score before you apply because if there is like a huge problem – or you need to repair your credit score, you can do that before the lenders get a look at your score. Um, and then you can apply with more confidence. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Mitali, Taylor, Caitlin, Phil. Again, high five, man. Getting an almost 30% raise and not having to negotiate for it. That's kind <laughs> of the best case scenario. I would love to find out. Email me and tell me, if you know, like what what prompted it. Because that's pretty awesome. I mean, uh, usually if you get a review, you get maybe 5% raise, 10% would be like really good, 30% almost. That's pretty awesome. So keep in touch and let me know the, the deets. All right, Sophia, I hope you have a great weekend in Connecticut. Everyone else, hope you have a great weekend enjoying, relaxing the almost summer. It's pretty much summer, right? We can say that. June oh, 21st yeah. is the official summer, uh, start and that is also evan's birthday he's a solstice baby and i'll see y'all back here on monday thanks so much and have a so money weekend 